Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning and Happy New Year's, everybody. Crazy to think how a year has passed already, um, but you know what? I am grateful to God to still be here and I'm grateful for all of you. Um, welcome back. This is uh, part two of our series, A New Year, Different Spirit. And uh, as you know, we've been looking at the life of Caleb and the journey that he uh, went on uh, in his journey with God and the people of Israel through the wilderness. And uh, and so I'm excited to get back into this with you guys. Um, you can turn to John um, Joshua chapter 14. That's actually what we're going to be looking at uh, today. But, you know, now that we're on the topic of uh, Happy New Year's, uh, let me ask you a question. Do you... Do, do, do people still do New Year's resolutions and goals? Um, you know, and if so, well, I would love to read some of your uh, resolutions and goals. Please feel free to write them in the chat below and I'll take a look a, a little later. Um, but yeah, um, I know for me, when I was in college, man, that the goal was to uh, get jacked. You know, I was tired of being uh, skinny and lanky and slinky and all these things that people would make fun of me and call me and and, and you know that if uh, you grew up similarly, you know that people always just assumed that that if you were tall, you you had to have played sports. And if you didn't play sports, then then you were a waste of height. That's what they would literally tell me, and it was super discouraging. But you know what? It's okay. I ended up using my height um, somehow, some way, uh, in playing sports in high school. Um, but you know, New Year's resolution and goals—they're just—they're hard to keep up with. And and if you're in the—I don't know if it's a small minority or if it's the majority now of people who don't no longer uh, make resolutions and goals, you know that resolutions and goals are just—they're hard to accomplish. In fact, there was a study that was done uh, that showed that just eight people—just eight percent of people—actually achieve their New Year's resolution. And you know how many people fail to keep them through the next year? Shouldn't be a, shock, a surprise, but it's 80% of people. Um, I found a list online of, of the top 10 most common resolutions people make today. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, the first one is exercise more. The second one is lose weight. Uh, three, get organized. Four, learn a new skill or hobby. Five, live life to the fullest. I thought that one was a little bit vague. Six, save more money slash spend less money. Uh, seven, quit smoking. Eight, spend more time with family and friends. Nine, travel more. And ten, read more. But you know what I found interesting? Is that you never see on that list or on anyone's list of resolutions consistency, right? Like when was the last time you heard someone say, you know what? This year I want to be just as fill in the blank as I was last year. Right? I want to be just as healthy as I was last year. I want to be just as organized. I want to be just as confident, still as hardworking, content, etc. You just don't see it anymore. You know, I think we live in a culture today where reality is good isn't good and good enough anymore. You know, until you've exhausted yourself becoming this super ideal human being, you've climbed every ladder of success in your career education, um, you've earned every accolade, surpassed all the standards and expectations of the people around you, you're not at your best yet. 
Um, and so w what happens when this occurs, right? Well, we create resolutions, right? Because we got to get better. We got to get better than today. We got to be better than, than yesterday, than last year. We got to be better than the next person. And we place this overwhelming pressure on ourselves to do even better again the following year. Instead of just being content and just continuing to do the good we've already been doing and doing that well, right? Consistency, we don't see really anymore. Um, and let me just clarify one thing. Resolutions are great. I think that they're awesome. I think that goals are, are good things that we should strive after. And we should always, always aim to, to fight to be better in every, in every way. Um, but today, what I hope that you consider is the power of consistency how powerful it is, you know, doing the things you're already doing good and to keep it going, you know, because the truth is you don't always have to be better to be successful or to have a victory in life. Sometimes all you need to be is still as strong, to be still as consistent as you've been. And that's the title of my message today for part two is still as strong. You know, we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 14 today, continuing uh, with the life of Caleb and, um, you know, if you remember last week uh, in Caleb's uh, story and his journey with the Israelites, we, we, we talked about how, um, you know, to kind of recap, Moses basically is uh, the people of uh, the leader of the Israelites. And he's getting ready to send, uh, he sends a group of 12 men, Caleb uh, being one of them, to go spy on a land uh, that God promises he's going to give to the people of Israel and uh, and then they and they come back from this journey of spying out the land and seeing what it was going to look like. Right. Super discouraged and hopeless, you know, while everyone is doubting and they're saying, oh, man, that this 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 town and city is just too strong and it's powerful. And the, and, and our and the enemies are huge and we're we're super small. You know, Caleb comes back with a positive outlook on the situation. And, and despite Caleb reminding them of God's promise that they would inherit the land, you know, they continue to be negative and he started spreading fear among the Israelites, these 11 men. And, and, and what it did was it caused the Israelites, right, to be afraid to enter into the promised land, even though God promised that they would have the victory. And so what happens? They're afraid to enter Canaan. They start becoming super rebellious and disobedient against God. Uh, they're grumbling and complaining against Moses and Aaron, who were the actual chosen leaders that God uh, chose to lead the people into the promised land. They wanted to overthrow them. They were they were going crazy. Um, but Caleb, because of his wholehearted devotion and his positive outlook throughout the journey, right? God said he had a different spirit. You know, he ends up surviving the wilderness. And God promises to bless him with a portion of the land of Canaan to inherit as a reward. But he punishes all those who were negative and disobeyed God by making them wander for another 40 years in the desert, as we're going to look at a little bit today. Um, fast forward 40 years to now in Joshua chapter 14. Joshua is the man who replaces Moses as leader of Israel. If you remember that story, Moses pretty much dropped the ball. He had to get replaced by Joshua and Joshua is helping bring the Israelites finally into the promised land. And, uh, and, and as they're getting ready to settle in the land, Joshua begins dividing it between all the 12 tribes. And so here we are at the end of Caleb's life and he's getting ready to finally receive the portion of his inheritance as God had promised. And this is what it says in Joshua 14, uh, starting at verse 6. So it says this, it says, Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, 
And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself uh, heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his, as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest from war. And so in verses 6 through 9, this is one of the final accounts of Caleb's life, right? It's the end of his journey with the Israelites. And the Bible begins the passage in verses 6 through 9 with Caleb basically retelling the story of what had happened in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. If you remember, 40 years ago when Moses sent him to give a report about Canaan and, I, and how Caleb kept his wholehearted devotion to God despite the Israelites' unwillingness to trust God. Um, and Caleb recalls the promise that God made to him, right? He goes to Joshua and he says, you remember that promise that, that Moses made, that God made to me and you, that we would inherit this land. And in verse 10, right, it says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Crazy. In verse 7, Caleb tells us that he was 40 years old. When God made him that promise that he would inherit the land. Now he's 85, which means that he had to wait 45 years to see this promise fulfilled in his life. But even through it all, he never forgot and he never stopped letting go of it. He faithfully remained wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And I just can't imagine 45 years. A lot can happen in 45 years, right? Think about, you know, your age right now. Think about where you were 10 years ago. A lot could happen. But I can imagine for, for Caleb, I mean, 45 years. And he was, mind you, with the people of Israel, which they weren't the easiest people to get along with, right? So just to think about the trials and hardships he's, he had to have faced. Um, and I don't know about you, but I have a hard time even waiting at a red light. Forget about waiting 45 years for God to, 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 to make do on his promise, man. I, I would have saved up and, and bought my own land if I was Caleb. Um, and, and, and maybe some of you can relate, right? Maybe you feel like you've been waiting on God for a long time for, for him to fulfill your prom, uh, his promise. And some of you are probably not even sure if he's listening. I imagine any one of us in this case 
would have felt this way. But can you imagine if 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 but if God um, made us wait forty five years, right, to to make do on His promise? How many of us would actually still wholeheartedly serve Him, and how many of us would still uh, want to follow God as our God if He was the kind of God that would make us do this? Well, the reality is that. God doesn't always work the way that we think he ought to. You know, I think of verses like Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Or verses like 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. It says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Crazy to think how this is how God right, views our lives in light of his own wisdom. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are neither our thoughts. And it says here that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years are like a day. You know, the Lord, right, doesn't understand slowness as we do. His ways are, 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 are so much different. And God made Caleb wait 45 years, which was like a blink of an eye for God. But for us, that would have been like forever. You know, God made Caleb wait 45 years without giving him much of an, of an explanation at all as to why. God made him wait without giving him an exact timeline as many of us would have wanted and felt secure in, right? God made him wait even for something that he wasn't even responsible for because of the disobedience of the Israelites. Yet this is what Caleb had to endure. And this is what Caleb did. He waited. And despite all this, Look what Caleb says next in verse 11. It's unbelievable. He says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Caleb proclaims that he is still as strong as he was when God first promised him the land. You know, I just think about so many of the different situations that we have to go through on in our regular lives, right? You know, I think of um, all the trials, the circumstances, the things that I've prayed for in my life and even waiting, right? But a little bit of time feels like forever. And maybe some of you have some of your own prayers, right? That you've been uh, praying. Some of you probably have children that you're praying, come to God, uh, maybe a job promotion or a wage increase or for your situation to just simply change, whatever that, that might be. And all those things are good prayers. But if you found out that it would come to pass 45 years later and God missed every marker of, of, of your little lovely timeline of life, right? How would you feel? How would you react? Well, Caleb reacted differently. He had a different spirit and he says, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then. 
you know, despite all the trials, the frustration, the burden of the Israelites, and I'm sure even, maybe even struggles, having doubts himself, is, is God really going to keep his promise after 40 years? <laughs> he still kept faithful. And he said, I'm just as strong as I was when you first promised me that 40 years ago. And, you know, it's funny because sadly, we're very fortunate today. You know, we live in a day and age where most of the things that we can get, we can get on our own in the push of a button as instant as a microwave. Never mind waiting for God to bless us or to depend on him for anything. And nearly everything is at our disposal. But can you imagine if God made you wait 45 years to fulfill his promise? I mean, how many of us would have actually lasted, actually waited, actually continue uh, praying, continue reading our Bibles, continue faithfully being wholeheartedly devoted like Caleb was? This is, this is truly a challenge. This is hard. I mean, it's a sobering thought when you, when you think about it. And, you know, um, in my time of being a Christian, you know, I've, I've had many challenges in keeping my own faith, even as a minister uh, in the church, you know, um, I, I have to deal with constantly the weight of, of, of fearing hypocrisy, of fearing not meeting people's expectations. And, uh, and it can be hard. It can be challenging. You know, there's times where I don't feel like giving. There's times where I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like having a good attitude. I don't have a good attitude often. Um, but God is teaching me and he's refining me and he's helping me to, to, to make it past it and continue to be wholeheartedly devoted uh, to God. But it's so tough. It's so challenging. And, uh, and it's a journey. It's a journey of life. And that's what I'm trying to, to live out is to be still as strong like Caleb was. Um, and you know, I'm encouraged because there are times in life where when it gets hard, as I'm sure it was for Caleb, um, there are times where I get uplifted. And for me, that comes sometimes in the form of memories. You know, I think about who I was when I first became a Christian and the journey that it was. You know, I remember just being so willing to just give up everything for Jesus. You know, I remember being so overjoyed. I was so happy. I was willing to give up anything, everything. Uh, I talked to each and every single person I came across about him. I couldn't stop talking about him. I even turned off a lot of my uh, my former friends because I just had this passion. Um, but I didn't really have the wisdom to go about it in a way that I inspired people to want to wanna follow him. Um, and sometimes I learned the hard way. But, you know, I wouldn't have traded that passion. For the world i wouldn't trade that passion for anything and it's moments like these that make me question from time to time do i still have that wholehearted devotion for god do i still have that love do i still have that passion you know and will i still have it in the years to come because the truth is one day i'll be older one day i'm going to be more stubborn one day i'm going to be many things but will I still have that faith? Will I be still as strong in my faith as I was then? Or will I be gone? Will I forsake it? Will I forsake my faith? Will I, will I forget about God like the Israelites did in those 40 years? You know, these are real questions to think about, to consider. They're super sobering when you think about it. And I just want to encourage everyone to just take a moment and pause and think yourself about the time where you were strongest, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, 
mentally. Do you remember where you were? What you look like? The passion? The vigor that you had? Some of you were probably very young and immature and you had no idea what you were doing. Young in your faith, right? And ask yourself this. Am I still as strong as I was then? Do I still have that same passion, that same love for God like I did back then? Or has it dwindled? Has it left? Has it gone away? Has it laid dormant now? And as you reflect, I want you to seriously consider the truth of that answer. Because if you're really not doing well, and if you really care about your relationship with God and your strength, you know, and your future strength, I want you to know that you can still fight and you don't have to fight alone. You can be strong again. It doesn't have to just be a fond memory of the past, but you can still be as strong today, still as strong as Caleb was back then. And you can be that now. You know, Caleb said, I'm still as strong. I can fight. I could fight at 40. I could fight at 85. I'm still just as strong. Age cannot stop me. But there's one thing that Caleb could not forget in the 45 years that he endured. And it was this, that he cannot do it alone. In verse 12, he says, Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. You see, Caleb recognizes that although he has the strength to fight the battle, he was just as strong at 85 than he was at 40, right? It was God who would help him to get the victory and once and for all conquer Canaan. You know, it's hard to imagine that, you know, the kind of strength that it took for, for Caleb to remain as faithful um, and to, to depend on God. Because, you know, we read it in the Bible, we read stories like this and it just they make it sound so easy. Right. You know, when the reality is Caleb was a human, too. But you read it and it, it just seems so easy for them to overcome all their obstacles. And so I can understand why the Bible can can be so hard to relate to a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, you think, well, man, it sounds so easy for them. Why is it so hard for me to, to just, man, put on strength and to be like Caleb and to, to fight, to, to be faithful? Um, but, you know, I was blown away this week when I came across an inspiring story um, about a, a young woman uh, who was battling a very rare disease known as uh, Ehlers-Danlos uh, Syndrome. Uh, she also struggled with Lyme disease and a few other conditions. And, uh, and her story reminded me that there are plenty of everyday Caleb's all around us, just like her. And we, too, can be them. And it was a Facebook post that, that I found of this young woman who was also a writer. And she was uh, writing on this post, announcing to all of her friends and followers that she was getting ready to enter hospice. She was going to get ready to enter into the final days of her life because this rare disease that she had was taking a toll on her body. And uh, I want to read the post and what she said. It's, it's truly phenomenal. Um, but uh, her name is Brooklyn Salisbury, by the way. And this is what it says. It says, I'm starting hospice. I recently left my doctor's office with a referral to hospice. Hospice is end of life care. Over the last two years of battling my connective tissue disorder, my health has been in a downward spiral. Specialist after specialist has given up or pushed me aside. 
All treatments have failed. I have fought very hard for a very long time. With much prayer, godly counsel, medical advice, God has made the way forward clear. It's time to go home. Honestly, I left my doctor's office with a giant smile on my face. My heart is overjoyed contemplating being in the fullness of God's glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Conversely, I have been grieving with my friends and family as they must say goodbye. Death is awful, but for the believer, it's just the beginning. We will start the process of taking me off medications on January 17th. I will die by the end of February. Please pray for comfort for my grieving family and friends. Please also pray that I will run the rest of my race well. I desire to run tenaciously until the very end, not lagging in the last miles. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 3. Paul states this desire poignantly in verse uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 26 to 27. Quote, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. End quote. I will keep you all updated. I'm a writer and have many unfinished words to pen. I imagine I'll generate a lot of content. Join me on the journey of dying. But more importantly, join me in running the race of the Christian faith. Joy awaits. Psalm 16, 11. In the final days of Brooklyn Salisbury life, I was just amazed to even think that she didn't ask for prayers, for healing, or even comfort. For herself, right? Anyone in this in this situation would have asked for 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 comfort, asked for 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 prayers to be healed, for 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 her situation to change. But what she prayed for, and what she asked her prayer for, was that she would run the rest of her race well, with the same tenacity, with the same strength, with the same endurance, to be still as strong till the very end. That was what she asked for prayer for. Unbelievable with what she was going through. You know, God didn't promise her a life free of suffering, but she asked for what he did promise, and that was eternal life. She was overjoyed thinking that she, uh, even thinking about the fact that she would be with the Lord soon. And you know, similarly, at the end of Caleb's life, he didn't pray for a different situation. He didn't pray for God to get him out of the situation, for God to hurry up the process and, 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 and move along with it and, and, and to answer now. But he asked for what God had promised him. And that was his inheritance, Canaan. You know, I realized that, you know, through this all, the reality is, is that we need God to be strong. We need God to be stronger and we need God to be strongest and we need God to be still as strong because that's the only way that we're going to make it. It's through God, the Lord helping me, like Caleb said in verse 12. Is God your help today? Is God our help today? We should ask ourselves that. Or are we just fighting a battle with an army of one? You know, as we get ready to close, um, do you want to know how the story of Caleb ends? It's incredibly ironic, and it's, it's similar to what we read last week. 
But in verses 13 through 15, check out what it says. It says, Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Then the land had rest from war. So check this out. So finally, after 45 long years, God, through Joshua, blesses Caleb with his promised inheritance, a land by the name of Hebron. And you know what the crazy thing is? Is that if you remember last week in, in Numbers 14, right, because of the disobedience of the Israelites, they ended up uh, being in a land uh, that meant destruction, right? I forgot the name of the town that they were in. But you know what the name means of Hebron, the land that God blessed Caleb with? It means alliance or friend. Alliance or friend. And so what does this teach us? It teaches us that we cannot do it alone. Caleb knew God was his strength and he put his faith and devotion in God and not himself. You know, you remember verse 12, he said, the Lord helping me. Caleb knew where his strength came from. He knew that he was only going to be still as strong in the years to come if he put his trust in God. He knew that it was going to be, the only way he was going to be able to conquer the land of Canaan is that if he put his trust in God, if he relied on him, if he relied on him to be his helper. And so maybe you're feeling like Caleb and it's been a long 45 years in the wilderness and you're tired of being strong fighting to stay faithful to God, and you feel like you have nothing left. Well, I want to encourage you. Let God help you. You know, maybe you're watching and you've left the church already, or you've given up on your faith, and you just feel like there's no point to any of this as well. Let God help you. Maybe you say, I did fight. I fought for years. I'm tired of fighting and getting nowhere then let me tell you, God will fight for you and God can strengthen you again. If that's you, I want to encourage you. There's no shame in saying that, in admitting that, confessing it. But there is shame in giving up without a fight. And I hope you don't give up without a fight. You know, as we go into 2022, I want to encourage all of us, let's choose to be like Caleb and have a different spirit. A spirit that chooses God as our helper, the helper to our strength, the secret to our strength, so that we too can be still as strong, not only today, but tomorrow and in the years to come for the rest of our lives. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.